Patas. 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 Welcome to Fart House, where we watch the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Casey O'Brien, and I'm joined by our other host, a friend of mine who I have not seen in like eight years, Patrick <laughs> Mallon. Patrick, how are you? I'm okay. It's uh, very hot. Uh, okay. We're getting close to the season where I record topless, T-O-P-L-E-S-S. Getting very I'm close shocked to we're not in the topless season already. I know. I thought about it, but I stepped on the scale about two hours before oh, no. recording. And not that I really care about what you think I look like. It was just too much. It was just, it was too much. It was just too much. Beach bod season has yet to arrive. Yeah, well, it's here. But oh, is that a spindrift? Yeah, it is. I, I'm a big spindrift guy. Is, that's great. Is that grapefruit? Yeah. Is that your favorite? Tasty. I think it is my favorite. Yeah. Same. Refreshing. Um, um, Casey, we're in the same time zone, which is oh my God. fantastic. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Do you feel closer to me emotionally, spiritually, sexually? <laughs> uh, spiritually, yes. Emotionally, I feel about the same distance that we've been okay. for a while. Um, okay. But- <laughs> okay. Isn't it kind of cool? I could take 35, which is like right near my house, yeah. all the way down to you. Yeah. I it's amazing. T- turn left on that street and then take that street all the way to you that's kind of amazing i think i could do i could do a a right a left and a right and i could get on 35 so just three turns it's just incredible (laughs) well and then i I love breaking it down i love to break it down like that i love Um, that but casey without getting too bogged down i want to hear about uh your move are you feeling settled in uh i would say home it feels like home, but I'm like medium settled in. There's just so much to do, and we had so much construction stuff happening right when we moved in that felt kind of chaotic. Like we got a new roof oh, and did? a new water heater and a new air conditioning and a new heater, and we had the inside painted and a bunch of electrical work had to get done. So oh there was like God. people in and out of the house all the time, not to mention just like unpacking everything like we're kind of like everything's like out of the boxes but it's like we still have to put everything away right. and then also our lawn is getting really long and i haven't had time to mow the lawn and that's like a new homeowner thing yeah. i don't know i'm a little overwhelmed yeah mowing the lawn <sighs> like you know we've talked about this when i first moved to austin i was excited about having like some yard for the first time in my life but yeah lawn mo- there's something about lawn mowing that is just so awful it's just like once you do it you feel very accomplished but like the prospect of it sounds it's so i've never used this lawnmower either i have to like charge it or do you have the the ryobi whatever it's called it it isn't the ryobi somebody else asked me that exact same thing but it's i think it's a cheap knockoff okay but the ryobis are still pretty cheap i'm like overwhelmed by home ownership duties already uh so i don't know it's going fine and then when i I mean i'm i'm in a calm moment Mm-hmm. Pure joy just envelops me that I have a house and I'm living in Minneapolis and I love our neighborhood so much. Yeah. And are, you close to, are you close to things? Like, do you feel... Yes. Love that. I feel like this is a really a burgeoning neighborhood, southeast Minneapolis area. There's all these new restaurants popping up. There's this place nearby called the Bull's Horn, which is kind of like a redone sort of local neighborhood Midwest bar, and it's fantastic. Mm. And... Patrick, I got to take you around again. Yeah. Got to take you around to my, all my spots. It's I can't fantastic. wait to come visit. And uh, I'm, I'm going to need to be there sooner rather than later because it's it's I don't know when it's ever going to cool down here. This whole week, it's like lows of 80. Right now in oh, my shit. house, 
it's eight, let's say eighty degrees in the house with the with the AC going full blast. It's one hundred four degrees outside. Well, this is untenable. Yeah, it's completely untenable. Oh. I'm oh, sweating I'm so bullets. Sorry. Heat is the worst temperature, don't you think? Yes, it's awful. I, I was going back and forth for a while. I was like, I hate being cold. I hate being hot. I hate being cold. I hate being hot. But I, I really do think now, definitively, being hot is worse than being cold. I think it's. Oh, see, I never mind when I'm cold. I'm like, this is fixable. Yeah. Just throw in another shawl or a blanket or a throw, you know? But <laughs> yeah. when it's hot, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, no. Except it, you topless... literally you start cooking your insides. You can't take your skin off, you know? No, you can't. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you can only get so topless. <laughs> That's true. Are you ever worried you're going to show up to a work meeting topless? <laughs> no, I don't have that fear. I fear having under boob sweat. That's one of my biggest fears okay. is uh, as my breasts protrude as i gained weight the sweat you know <laughs> oh underneath God. the boobs the man boobs that yeah, accumulates yeah. and i worry that that'll be visible in meetings well you just shouldn't wear like a heather gray t-shirt <laughs> i think that's like where the sweat yeah. really shows on a gray t-shirt it I does feel like. and i've i try to make sure i wear like very large almost a like comically large loose fitting hawaiian shirts it's kind of like my summer <laughs> My summer work attire, and then I yeah. have like the, some linen pants that are the kind of work, but look a little goofy with my sneakers because okay. I don't really know what shoes to wear with linen pants. Mm. So, how often do you have to go into the office? Three days a week. Ooh, yeah. Okay, it sucks. Does it feel good coming home though? That was always the best part about working in the office was coming home from a day. It does, of but work. I, I get in a bad mood because it it takes so long to get home. Mm. So sorry. Yeah. No, it all it's all kind of miserable. Everything is oh. just I don't want to be around anymore. I don't want to be around anymore. <laughs> I have not watched all of season 3 of I think you should leave but I've seen a few episodes. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I actually case huge news. I canceled Netflix, by the way. We have been talking about doing this Yeah. because we don't watch anything on it. Yeah. I don't watch Except anything. the reality television shows and those just don't come that often. I love to I'll tell anyone that'll listen about how I've been their best customer, their longest customer. I've maybe given them more money than anyone else in their history. You think? It's possible. <laughs> I was okay. I was an early I was an early adopter of Netflix. I had the the mail by DVDs since like 2003. Although wow. and you actually You're... you had the mail D, mail DVDs much longer than I did actually. So But this is an interesting question. Have I had a Netflix subscription since 2005? Like that is a serious question. I've had it's mine one of my since longest 2003. You did? Yeah. Oh, you had yours longer than me. Yeah, but I think you had the DVD delivery longer than I had the DVD delivery. Oh, I see. Was there a break between the DVD delivery and... No, because remember, you had DVD delivery for a while when I stopped getting DVDs and oh, just got, went to streaming. but that doesn't only. mean anything. We're just talking about having the Netflix subscription, you know, being a customer. Yeah, but I don't know. Was it more expensive, though, to continue with DVDs for a while? It probably was. Because right now I'm trying to think about which of us has given them more money. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, maybe it it, it might have been me. It's it might have been me. It's um, riveting. But I finally canceled it. I was, I was just so mad at their stupid password sharing situation. And it, I mean, evil. it really only, I mean, the real losers, unfortunately, are my parents because they were the ones that used mine. And then my brothers used my parents. 
And uh, man, the real victims, Maj and Faj, Maj and all this equation. The real victims. Well, they just didn't have movies or TV shows anymore. Yeah, no. like that's the bottom line. It's dog you know? shit. It's all just like half, and I like half the dog shit, but documentaries. I like the dog shit reality TV shows. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, those but, are fun. But I think we can torrent those, right? I'm sure we can. Yeah. I just I, that's not enough to sustain. And uh, yeah, I we've been talking about getting rid of it. It's the most. It's one of the streaming services that is the we could easily get rid of. Yeah. I feel like more mm-hmm. than the others. It was the most expendable. So got most rid of expendable. It. That's the word I was looking for. Very good. Uh, Very and good. it's gone. Wow. And I can't remember what brought that up, but that's. Uh, I think you should leave. That's I think what, you should leave. Uh, that's right. That's, that's, that was the context of that. So. Um, well, fascinating, Patrick. Fascinating stuff, truly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else going on in your life, Patrick, that's exciting and you'd want to discuss? Oh, yes. Uh, I proposed to my girlfriend, <laughs> who is now my fiance. Congratulations, Patrick. Thank I wasn't sure if case. I didn't ask before if you wanted to bring it up on the pod. So oh, that's that fine. was. I would have, I, I would have it. rebuffed you, but it would have been a little awkward. <laughs> I don't think it would have. I think we. I think people would have just flown right past it because we're so natural. Yeah, that's and professional. true. That's true. Yeah, but you teed me up very nicely. So yeah, that's the development. Wow! Congratulations, Thank Patrick. You. So happy for you guys. Thank you. And Casey. it's so exciting. Thank you. And was Leah freaking out, or did she kind of know it was coming? Um, I think a little bit of both. I'm sure there okay. was a, there was a large part of her that knew it was coming, but probably not the exact moment. It was going to be coming. So I think there sure. was just enough uh, suspense to keep it to keep it kind of spicy. Exciting. Saucy. Spicy. Yeah. Riveting. Yeah. So uh, we're pr- we're going to be married in Las Vegas by Elvis. Woo! Which is very That's exciting. exciting. Have I you picked out the package. Elvis? Huh? Have you picked out the Elvis that will marry you? You know, that's an excellent question. I don't know if we get to choose the Elvis. I think we're at the mercy of the chapel's... I see. Elvis. And, That's fine. And uh, some people have gotten some really drunk Elvises, mm-hmm. um, which could go either way, which could be kind of funny, but also could be kind of a disaster. Yes. Um, yes. It's funny, too, be- like reading about it's. It seems like the kind of thing that is like easy and straightforward, you know, doing like an Elvis wedding in Vegas. But yeah. There are so many... Um, little charges and actually things to be conscious of like here yes. and there and traps and there's so many different chapels that do this and so you can compare and contrast and they, it all kind of comes out in the wash in terms of price but it's funny you're not allowed to um at the one that we chose you're not allowed to take pictures inside of the chapel during the ceremony uh, really yeah and That's others interesting. which was actually pretty common but most others let you purchase a press pass quote-unquote sure for 75 dollars uh, but this this chapel didn't even offer it, but it was a combination of pretty good price, good reviews. We get a free limo. F- we're staying at the Bellagio, oh. limo from the Bellagio to the chapel. Um, December 2nd, if anyone wants to... The, the, uh, the, cer- the ceremony and the dinner are, are closed to, to, fi- to family only, <laughs> but uh, we'll be out and about in Las Vegas <laughs> December 1st to December 3rd if anyone wants to fly in and see us marching around. <laughs> Fantastic. Do you know what you guys are going to wear? No, this is uh, its a huge sticking point for both of us. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have a general idea of what I want to wear, but I don't know if I'll... I don't know. I don't know. I, I have some general okay. ideas. I don't know what I can fit into. That's the, that's the big question. Oh, is that the issue? Yeah. 
Okay. We'll I've ballooned. You can't tell from the from the video, but I've ballooned, Casey. I mean, enormous. what do you think has caused this, Patrick? Balloon? Just the heat? Uh, after stress. It, yeah, stress. Uh, work has been very, very. It's a really boring thing to talk. Work has been very stressful. Uh, after the half marathon, I just kind of atrophied. Yeah. Um, working out's hard. Working out's really hard, and I don't like it. I, I actually hate it. I don't feel compelled to do it. I do it only to lose weight. I, I don't even do it from like a health perspective. Like it's good for yeah. my heart. I do it just yeah. to lose burn calories. Sometimes I'll get on these like TikTok things where it'll be like, <laughs> you know, there's like crazy science on TikTok, and you'll find one that's like, <laughs> actually, exercising is bad for you. And I'm like, go on, and I'll watch a few of those and see. <laughs> I know. I love. Uh, I love the ones that tell me I can eat whatever I want. Those are the ones yeah. I like. Actually, you can eat whatever you want. You just have to fill in the blank. Yeah. You just have to eat a bar of soap or something at the end of it. <laughs> Patrick, have you been following this Titanic submarine journey at all? I was just gonna bring that. Up. Oh, good. Yeah, it's been kind of engrossing. I- <laughs> I am totally obsessed with it. I'm watching videos all the time. It's also just so. I mean, it's sad because there's five people trapped in, like, literally one of the most nightmarish situations I can even fathom. Yeah. Like, if they're alive, that is. Yeah. I kind of hope that they, it just imploded instantaneously and they died instantly. Yeah, I mean, because, there's, there's only, I mean, that's the second best case scenario, really. I mean, at this point, I can't imagine they'll be found alive. But And the first, well, the thing is, it's that they actually, the thing I don't understand is they communicated directions via text message that was their system in general yeah so how could that have not continued i don't know you know like unless they're dead did you also Um, see the uh there was a cbs news reporter yes yeah did you see this i've watched everything about this yes (laughs) and there was how there was like basically a video of on cbs where the guy's like explaining the little submersible and he's like, yeah, I bought the lights for the inside at Camping World. This is actually an Xbox controller that controls the whole thing. And the reporter's like, uh, forgive me for saying this, but it's a big, it's a bit MacGyvery, don't you think? And uh, he's like, I don't think of it that way. But it's like they're making all these jokes about how janky it is, and then this happens. Yeah, you know, I it, know it's astonishing. I cannot imagine getting in that. Thing. like it's so small like they're calling it the size of a minivan like that's generous like that's for five people in a minivan yeah i think that's generous too because it doesn't look like there's like comfy seats or anything no and there's essentially only one quote-unquote window there's the, there's the porthole which you can take turns to take a look at the wreckage if i don't think they made it down there to take a look but well wasn't this the whole thing with james cameron like he dedicated like 10 years of his life to like inventing a new submarine so he could go down and look at the titanic wreckage something like that i don't know all the details but yeah it was like something that poured millions of dollars into and it was like and i think it was just him yeah which like james cameron is an insane person but like that if he had died, it would have been like, oh, shit, he shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But, like, it's not as evil as this whole enterprise feels like. Right. You well, know? also, like, James, like, I don't know, Ocean, Ocean Gate, the company that did it, like, it's a very much like a uh, luxury tourism sort of endeavor that's, like, caters to very, like, wealthy people to, like, have these experiences yeah. that the normal person can't have. James Cameron is just an uber dork who was, like... It did seem, like, for more scientific 
purposes when he went. Even yeah. if it was for like a documentary, it felt like the first mission was like scientific expedition sort right. of. And you James know? Cameron isn't the one isn't the kind of person who's going to be like wanting to like cut corners. You know, he wants to do everything like yeah, immaculately. So it's It's just so crazy and there's like this billionaire and his son down there. I mean, yeah. You know, many people, including my wife, Trisha, made the joke that there should be a, like, Triangle of Sadness sequel with this thing, because <laughs> it's crazy. I know. Did you see that one of the billionaires down there, his stepson, went to the Blink-182 concert? I did see that, his stepson, <laughs> so he didn't seem to be mourning too much. Yeah, you know? maybe, he he's, still, maybe he's ecstatic. the time of his life. <laughs> this could be the best development. So there's a lot going on. I'm engaged. Yeah. You're in Minneapolis. Billionaires are... <laughs> Dying in submarines. I would never go in a submarine, period. Even, like, especially one that was going two miles below the ocean surface. That is so crazy. Would you go into space? No, I would never go to space. You would never go to space? Never. Hmm. I like to stay... I don't even like flying. Yeah, that's true. I don't like heights. I want to be near the ground. Would you do a cruise? Yeah, I would do a cruise. Hmm. Interesting. But are you afraid know. of things like the poop cruise? Like where all the toilets back up? <laughs> not not as much as like going into space or way underwater. Mm. Have you seen submarine. Das Boot? There's been a lot of jokes about Das Boot too. No, I have not seen Das Boot. Me neither. The boat? No, I yeah. haven't seen it. You know, if we uh, if we did that one, that would be a own it hasn't seen it title. Oh, is that correct? <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, one of my was, oldest DVDs. I've probably had that since like 2005. Well, uh, 2005, <laughs> since the birth of the DVD, basically. <laughs> oh, have mercy on me, Patrick. Well, should we move on to our letterbox rundown? Unless you had any other points to bring up about submarine travel or anything like that? No, no. I oh, this is what I was going to say. Oh. Have you seen the other two? Excuse the me? The show, The Other Two? No, what's this? Patrick, I think you would really like this show the other two it's about basically a justin bieber type celebrity teen okay he's not the main character is it a comedy the main character yes okay the main character are the main characters are his two older siblings who are like kind of losers <laughs> and they're the other two <laughs> and it's so good ken marino's in it oh, i love um, ken marino. molly shannon's in it and it's so funny but there's an episode where one the older sister she's like I got to date a billionaire. I need or I need to date someone incredibly rich. And she goes on a date with a billionaire and he's like completely bald and has all this plastic surgery and he's like watch out and the whole date is him watching him climb up a wall and he's like look how high I am. Look how high I am. And then at the end of the date he's like do you want to go to space? And then he like takes her to space. <laughs> Anyway, well, she what dates channel a, or streaming service? It's HBO. 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 <laughs> or Max, excuse me. Oh, and God. then she dates another guy, a millionaire. And she's like, you're not a billionaire, are you? And he's like, no. People turn so weird when they become billionaires. But on the date, his co- company sells and he becomes a billionaire. And he transforms into like a bald guy with plastic surgery. And he's like, do you want to go to space? It's so good, Patrick. <laughs> it's so good. This sounds fantastic. Oh my god. What are the uh, the other two are they familiar faces? Had you seen them in anything? I I only knew one of them because he was a UCB guy, Drew Tarver. Okay. Um but 
It's really good. You honestly could pick up with this season. Okay. There's three oh, seasons. There's three seasons? Yeah. Oh, wow. Is it worth yeah. going back, or should I just start? I think it is. This okay. season is just the most... I think this one is really firing on all cylinders. Did you? Did we talk about Jury Duty? Did you watch Jury Duty? I loved Jury Duty. Okay, this is where... Did you hate it? We diverge. <laughs> I knew you would hate it. It's too pure for your decrepit, hate, hating <laughs> soul, your evil... Hating heart. <laughs> I didn't even finish it. I was like three or four episodes and I had to tap out. Oh my God. It's so ridiculous. I loved it. It's so fake. It's so phony. This guy absolutely knows their actors. No, he didn't. He Stop it. It's so ridiculous. He has God. to know. It's, I don't believe for a second he doesn't, he thinks this is a real thing. I he hundred percent. Patrick, can't you just extend like you know suspend disbelief for a little bit? I don't. I personally think he was actually fooled. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pick back up and and then yeah, they yeah. all become like they're all such like friends. It's buddy buddy. It's it's wild, man. I like that show. I did. It started really off did. very funny, and in fact, James Marsden was is really great actually. In the yes, he was. all of the actors are actually really really talented the performances are really good i tapped out when they go to the um when they go to the manufacturing facility uh that was the you last didn't like that no i thought that was pretty funny it was so okay. ridiculous it's like this is this is insane <sighs> well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stand here and also to uh, you. you have a high tolerance for commercials i don't it's on this fucking bullshit freebie thing which i i want to pay to watch it and even this, this you I and can't. fucking shane we watch a movie with shane it's on tubi it's only available on tubi he won't shut up about the fucking commercials the next day this is at the cabin shane's my brother i'm complaining about him then the next day he like won't stop talking about it during the movie god commercial like i can't be let's just buy it why are we watching another commercial and then the next day i wake up and we're at the cabin with my family Say hello to my mother. Hi, mom. She goes, hi. Shane said he enjoyed the movie last night, although he didn't like the commercials. And I'm like, nah, he complained to you too? <laughs> Ridiculous. It's funny that your mom mentioned it too. I know. Is your mom he very excited to have you He was complaining about it so much, it was worth mentioning, I guess. God. Is Sandra excited to have you in, in back home, hometown? Yes, very much so. Good. Very good. She's loving it. Have you? Who have you seen? Well, I guess Brady's got a baby. Brady is your middle brother. For those that don't know, yeah. Uh, do you hear James Brown? I've seen. What'd you say? James Brown was barking. Sorry. Oh, hi, James. Uh, Brady. I've seen Brady the most. Is that what you're going to ask? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, I've seen him the oh, most. Okay. Probably. Cool. Shane's a tie. Probably a tie with Shane. Gotcha. Except oh, now, have you after seen this commercial uh, debacle, Dave Gerald? This is pro- this is, we're drifting a little bit too far. I have can... not seen Dave Gerald. I will though okay. later. Dave's a friend of mine, old friend. I haven't seen Friends really. It's just been too chaotic. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Patrick, let's get to the letterbox rundown. All right. We don't want to have another person complaining that we talk too much at the top of the show. <laughs> not that anyone has done that or anything. No, no, no. Haven't no any one ever complained about like such that. a thing. Uh, any feedback like that is not helpful. Um, Patrick, when did we record last? Uh, we recorded like early May. Yeah. I can't remember. Okay, I found it. Got it. Locked in. Locked in. You went first last time, and I want to go first this time. Okay. Going ahead. I'm going to flag did you I down say- if there's something I want to chat about. I'm going to flag did you down. You, did, I, did I say I saw Manhunter last time? No. Had you seen it before? Never seen it before. No, and it's I don't great. think you mentioned it because Loved I'm it. excited. What would you think? 
I thought it was great. I thought it was phenomenal. It's great. I like, I'm not the biggest Michael. I like Michael Mann a lot, but I'm not, you know, people are like obsessed with him. Yeah, he's very big on film Twitter in particular. Yeah, I think he, I like his stuff, but I'm not obsessed with his stuff. Did you like the so. Inagata DeVita needle drop? Yeah. I was like, I want his job, not the killing part, but like he's like working in like film and stuff. That seemed cool. Yeah. The murderer. You ever put uh, uh, pantyhose on your head? Uh, have I ever done that? I think as a child I did it because I thought it was funny. But, have you seen uh, Red Dragon, the Brett Ratner version? I have not seen Red. <laughs> is that a remake of Manhunter? It it's is. the same plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. In a god out of Vita, honey. <laughs> um, I saw the last wave, Peter Weir's last wave. Oh, yes. It was kind of... I couldn't quite wrap my head around That's it. That's how it's I feel little... about Peter Weir. There's something about his style that I, I it doesn't connect with me. I can't quite grasp it or something. It's sort of, I don't know. I felt that way about Picnic at Hing Rock as well. Mm. I didn't feel that way about Truman Show, though. Me neither. I didn't feel that way about Truman Show, but I felt that way about Witness. I was like, this is kind of, there's something that's impenetrable I also liked... about this. Yeah, impenetrable. Yes. Uh, then I saw Troll Hunter. You ever seen that movie? That <laughs> no, was fun. but I've seen the trailer. How was it? It was fun. Good time. Is that Big from trolls. Russia? No, it's from Norway, fool. Norway. <laughs> well, it's the Great White North. They're so like uh, trolls are such a big part of Norway's culture. You just don't even get it. You have to be Norwegian to get it. You can it. see Russia Norwegian. from Norway. Is that true? Yeah, there, there's like, a border between them. Like board. Sarah Palin in Alaska? Yeah. Well, no, even closer than that, because there's no... Mm. Alaska doesn't touch uh, Russia. I don't want Russia and Norway touch each other. Uh, then I saw Bound by the Wachowskis. Never seen that? Fantastic. Oh, Fucking yes. fantastic. Love Bound. Very good. Really, really good. Then I saw Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I thought this was okay. People on Twitter were really shitting themselves yeah. about that movie. I, you would hate it. Don't don't even look at it. Uh, then I saw Last Shift, which was this really terrible horror movie about a woman on her first shift at a police station, but it's the last shift at this old police station. Bad. Mm. Then I watched, uh, who's the director of this one? Choose Me. Have you ever heard of this movie? By the director, oh... Alan, Alan Rudolph. It's about. Oh, a, yes. I'm like slowly getting into Alan Rudolph, I guess, because I can't believe I'd never heard of him. Yeah. And like he actually has a very interesting oeuvre. Yeah. Choose Me was good. It's kind of hard to grasp, but okay. good. I liked it. I watched an Alan Rudolph movie too, and we'll get to it on mine. <clears throat> oh, but, interesting. Yeah. Then we watched, fart rewatched Fargo because we were moving to Minnesota and had to watch it Excellent. You know, for legal reasons. Uh, then I watched Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. I had fun. It looks uh, fun. It looks like it's kind of trying too hard to be a sort of like Guy Ritchie. Uh, it's a little bit like that, but it's like, it's like cuter and more violent. More violent. Okay. Yeah. Then I watched Galaxy Quest, which I I like that movie. I like that Galaxy Quest too. I was I saw that on I saw it in theaters when it came out as a kid. I, think I it was my did uncle. too. Maybe my parents. And then I watched it. On... I saw it with my uncle too, <gasps> and he loved it. Yeah, uncles love Galaxy it's Quest. It's a funny movie. It's good. It's a good time. Uh, then I watched Fast X. Mm, I'm a fa- I like Fast and Furious, but this one would left me a little wanting. What did you think of uh, Jason Momoa? People were praising the Momoa. 
performance. Here's the thing: Jason Momoa is basically doing an impression of J- Joker, like uh, really uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Weird. He is like the Joker of the Fast and Furious universe. Like he does, and... like he does his like exaggerated laughs and these like yeah, these and he's sinister. Like, <laughs> he's waving his arms around. He's doing sick things. He's so sick, and uh, so he was fine. I just. I this my review for Fast X was I'm not sure Vin Diesel stood in this entire movie and I'm like kind of not joking like he does so little there's a there's this viral clip of him from a movie where he said I remember everything about my father but in the scene he sounds like oh yeah remember we, we talked about that on a previous oh yeah episode. we did talk about this. <laughs> So I'm kind of like out on Vin Diesel. Yeah, I can't understand anything he says. <laughs> Groot. Uh, then we watched a zombie movie called Virus 32. Uh, well, I kind of liked it. I don't know. It was a Spanish movie. Then I watched a documentary about the band Low. Ooh. Have you ever heard of Low? Yes, of course, from Duluth. Very yes, Duluth. It was a sh- the terrible YouTube version because oh. there's like literally no other version in existence. Was this and prior I really to, to watch one of it. the members of Low passed away relatively recently. Mimi right? died. I think that might have motivated me to watch it. It's kind of a sad. It's a bleak movie. They're kind of a bleak band. I love the band, but like you really get inside the head of Alan Sparhawk, who's the uh, lead singer, and uh, it's not a good, fun place to live. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, then I watched the infamous Southland Tales, oh. which was so bad. <laughs> I, like, I couldn't believe the things, the arrogance. It was just so bad. It's It was clearly trying to be infinite jest. Yeah. It, like, cribs a lot from Infinite Jest, and it's trying to be like a David Cronenberg movie, but it doesn't have the balls to like, it's it's like a very sexualized future, you know? It's like Sarah Michelle Gellar plays a porn star. Yeah. There's no nudity in the entire movie, and I just felt like it wasn't sexual at all, and, and but it was just But that was like kind of, the it was supposedly going for that vibe? Yes, because there's all these porn stars in it, and like... I don't know. I did, it just felt like he. Th- it felt like a high schooler made this movie. How and were Donnie uh, Darko Sean has a Scott l- and uh, The Rock? The Rock, yes. And it's interesting because at the time it was made, okay, at the time it was made, The Rock wasn't like the biggest movie star in the world, but he's playing the biggest movie star in the world in the movie. Oh, that's interesting. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. There are things I liked about it. I like messy movies. I, I this is the type of movie I normally totally in the camp for, like. That I like this. Oh, kind there's of stuff. a there's a non-trivial segment of film Twitter that like supposedly unironically loves this movie that like is trying to reclaim it as as a forgotten yeah, I know. masterpiece. And, and I feel like I I normally would like I like getting in on those things. Yeah, me too. I am so I I want to and be I wanted in to that. I wanted to like this, but it was bad, Patrick. It's so there and there is an unforgivable musical scene <laughs> yeah, simply you texted me about that one so bad i was like this aged so badly and the person who is it's like lip-syncing along to a song i don't want to give it away but the actor who is lip-syncing along you can he looks like he's dying behind the eyes and it's really bad <laughs> hey is there a uh, video store uh in minneapolis where you can rent rent physical media no there's not mm. maybe you guys could start one 
Patrick, I don't want to say it's been discussed, <gasps> but watch this space. That's all I'm going to wow. say. Watch this space. Um, then I watched Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. I love what, this movie. That is a, uh, it's a nostalgic uh, tale. It is. What Brady the, really wanted to watch okay. it, and I was happy to accommodate him. Is it because he's but a father it, now? He wanted to see what it would be like to blow up a, his, blow up a kid, his yeah. child. Maybe that is. Hmm, maybe we didn't explore that quite enough. Okay, but it was really interesting because there's so many forced perspective shots in the movie that it was actually kind of interesting. Like, like in, in a Buster Keaton sort of like, oh, that's so cool how they did that, like... It was almost as fun watching like the miniatures and stuff and like figuring out how they shot something yeah. as watching it. I always so forget, I did this one come first or Shrunk the Kids come first? Blew Up the Kid came second. Okay, so Shrunk, the, shrunk kids the Kids was first. first. Okay. First they're small, then they're big. <laughs> and then and then, then the I, parents get shrunken in the third one. That's correct. Honey, I we also shrunk ourselves. That one. Is that what it's called? Honey, we shrunk ourselves. Yeah. I got to revisit that one. Uh... I like the shrunk movies because there's always like uh, a boy girl romance, and I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, then we watched Unfriended, The Dark Web. We really like uh, we like desktop thrillers in this house, yeah. so we enjoyed that. Then that was a movie that Shane enjoyed, but didn't like the commercials. <laughs> then we watched a movie called Marrowbone. Have you ever heard of this movie? No. It's a horror movie that came out in 2017 with Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, that was pretty oh. good, actually. We love ATJ. And ATJ. oh, that's it. We're at the end. Okay, that's it. Um, before I get into my letterbox rundown, this weekend I went up to um, Oklahoma City uh, with Leah to visit her folks, and we went to go see live theater. Casey, you'd be wow. very proud. We yes. saw a live performance of Little Shop of Horrors. <gasps> I love Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. What made me think of it was, you know, Rick Moranis is in the uh, the Frank yes. Oz 80s. Ver- I had never seen it. Had never, um, you know, I knew what it was, but I'd never seen it. And uh, it was a fun little performance. The songs were good. It's it's funny. Um, I love that movie. I'm very curious to see the movie now, having seen the musical, because I was looking at the cast afterwards great cast and uh i love the way they directed the set design of that movie is amazing too really? it's really cool okay yeah. cool yeah and i went on and i was i knew that people loved that movie but like looking at uh you know you see people on letterbox who you follow and you look at a certain movie and it was like uniformly beloved uh yeah across like everyone i follow on letterbox was like this movie is the best so I'd like and to like watch uh, that. the effects are really cool too. Yeah, I like, didn't know uh, that it was based on a Roger Corman movie from the sixties, yes. which is interesting. Which that one I don't think is a musical, right? That is correct. Okay, have you but seen? But I believe that that's one? Jack Nicholson's first film. Really? Yeah, that's a good or one piece of them. Trivia. A little triv for you. A little triv. No, I I love Little Shop of Horrors. Suddenly, Seymour <laughs> standing beside me. <laughs> Have you ever been in a performance of it? I would love to be. I I I should a hundred percent play the Rick Moranis part. Yeah, you'd be actually fantastic. In fact, the actor that played Seymour it. in this kind of reminded me of you a little bit. I could play Seymour. Yeah, you got the voice. You got the should look. Play. You got the style. Got the hair. Got the style. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, check out the movie. I think you'll like it. All right, now getting down into this shot. Uh, Hit me. Continued on with um, 
Criterion's erotic thrillers almost completely done. Watch Dream Lover with James Spader and uh, yes. Michian Amick from Twin Peaks, who plays. Um, gosh, why am I blanking on his name? On her name, Dream. Uh, who plays uh, Norma and who plays the waitress at the or what's the act the? Oh, Bobby uh, and. Oh, I can't remember their names. Shelley, Shelley Johnson. Shelly, um, it was good. Um, it's like I don't know, like the this series. It was really interesting the way, like I think it was pretty well curated overall. Like I, I think mm-hmm. there could have been better movies on it. I don't know if it was because they couldn't get the rights to them or because they were going for something very specific. Like they're all pretty like middling movies, but um, Dream uh-huh. Lover was was pretty good overall. Um, um, who's the who's the friend guy in that? Uh, he's in a lot of things. Yeah, he's Jerry uh, Seinfeld's best friend, uh, or one of his best friends. He plays the um, Larry Miller. <laughs> Larry Miller. Okay, so this is just this is funny because we just had an episode of I Saw What You Did where we had a guest on the filmmaker Berkeley Brady came on and she quizzed Millie and Danielle, the hosts. She said, "Is this Larry Miller or is <laughs> or is this Jason Alexander?" And she played clips, and they were like. Sometimes you're like, I don't know. Well, like, because they, they talk similarly, too. And Larry Miller auditioned for the part of George Costanza, which is funny. So, so there's a, there's another movie uh, that we watched. I'm jumping ahead, but like, uh, we watched Remember My Name, which is the first Alan Rudolph movie that I've seen. And yes. I can't believe I've never heard of him because, like, had you even heard of him as a director? No, I think he was kind of an indie dude. Yeah, he was like it's an cool. indie dude. And if you, if you go and look at his filmography, uh, he had a lot of what interesting sounding movies with a lot of, like, relatively famous, like, character actors and, and some more, like, top line talent. And I'm I'm curious to, like, dig in his filmography a little bit more. It looks like kind of, like, a little bit subversive and outside the mainstream a little yeah. bit. And well, uh, Choose Me is really good, but the the streaming copy available is like clearly a VHS. Really? Yeah, it needs a remastering. Okay, that's good to know. I Yeah, that is second in my... Uh, but I really liked it. And also, it's not necessary. It doesn't need that... You know, it's not like a Christopher Nolan film, but right? Like, but you just want it to look good. Yeah, you want it to look good. That was the problem with. I'm jumping around a little bit. That was the problem with uh, one of the other Criterion ones I watched called Flesh Tone, um, which was kind of described as Lynchian, and we've talked about before how that that term is kind of thrown out, thrown out a lot. And, people people don't use it correctly. Yeah, and I, I kind of saw what they were going for in calling Flesh Tone Lynchian because the act, but I really just think it was just like bad acting bad it was just kind of a bad <laughs> it's kind of like saying the room is lynchian yeah. but the yeah. acting is just flesh tone you know? felt like a, like slightly more competent than the room to be honest and it looked like terrible i don't even know if it was like a transfer issue because i think it was shot on 35 millimeter uh. or 16 millimeter i don't know what it was shot on. i don't think it was, i think it was shot on film but it just did not look very great it had like a four by three aspect ratio and just Weirdly it's just lit. so funny. It's just so funny. Like you go on Amazon Prime and you look at like, oh, look at this shitty looking, and it is a bad horror film from like 1982. But th- for some reason, somebody took the time to like do a beautiful transfer, yeah. and it's like the most amazing <laughs> yeah. film you've ever seen visually, even though the movie is dog shit. Yeah. I feel like that happens so much, but it's always like the good movies that can't get a good transfer. Yeah, yeah. it's really aggravating. 
Um, then watched uh, John Waters' Polyester, uh, which Fantastic. came... Which came with... I watched the Criterion Blu-ray. Smell-O-Vision? Huh? Smell-O-Vision? Sure did. Came with a little yeah. card. You could smell... I love that. You'd smell when it came on the screen, which was a fun little interactive thing. Uh, saw Mulholland Drive in theaters uh, <sighs> at Alamo Drafthouse. Rebecca Del Rio was there in person and did a little <gasps> short little concert, which was really cool. Llorando. Llorando. She sang that. Uh, she also said, Oh, there um, is a complete ripoff of that scene, like complete ripoff in Southland Tales. Seriously? Like it was like, yes. <laughs> I'm so curious to watch it. She also sang uh, her song that's in the Twin Peaks The Return. I think it's called Stars. Um, so that was pretty mm. cool. Uh, saw Single Amazing. White Female with Jennifer Jason Lee and Bridget Fonda. That was really good. Great. Uh, Evil Dead Rise. Really loved it. Absolute oh, did blast. you like it? Yes. It's fun, right? Yeah. I thought it was good. Had a great time. It was fantastic. Great kills. Uh, as you mentioned, really bloody, uh, thrilling, tasty. I thought it was kind of fun putting it in an old apartment building. Yeah. Like, they, like I feel like what they were trying to do was like attainable. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't try to reinvent the wheel, but they're like, let's make it an apartment building. And I don't know. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, and I think it it continued the tradition, you know, with balancing tone of like, scary and pretty funny funny too. yeah yeah um, i thought it was good which, which I'm is glad like you not easy it. to do so I, it felt like a worthy successor in the line of the evil dead franchise i know sam raimi and bruce campbell were involved yes. with making it and i think they want to make i think they want more filmmakers to make more evil dead movies which i which love is cool. that idea i think that's really fun i did we talk about did you see the evil dead remake by um i think his name was feve alvarez no i didn't that one is actually not really funny at all that one's pretty straight up scary but it's really good too it's really well done uh okay. remake reboot uh, watch Cronenberg's The Dead Zone. That was a long Cronenberg uh, blind spot for me. Have you seen that? I love that movie a lot. I'd say it's it's a little uneven. Yes, but like I, there's parts I think are awesome. Mm-hmm. That's how I would describe it. It felt like it's a good movie, and I really liked it. But it felt like a um, like a sort of Cronenberg for hire situation. Like it kind of it didn't yeah. really yeah, like you said, uneven. It didn't really seem to really know what it wanted to be. And and Stephen King's novels, like so few of them are, are adapted. Well, they're hard to adapt. And, uh, this I is... almost feel like he should have cut out a huge part of the story. Like there's kind of two stories in that movie. It's yes. like, he's hunting this murderer. And then also there's like this Trump figure that's going to end the <laughs> yeah. world. It's kind of like, by, I think they should have um, picked one or the other. Is it Martin Sheen Mar- that plays him? Yeah. Yeah. Who does a great job. I mean, it's, and also, I love Christopher Walken, but sometimes I can't tell when he's well cast or miscast or like. Yeah. And at this was. You know, this... he's really good in is, I think it's called King of New York. Yeah, he's great in King of New York. Abel Ferreira. Yeah, that's a really good movie. Uh, and then watch that movie I mentioned, Remember My Name by Alan Rudolph. That was pretty good. Uh, watch David Burns' American Utopia again. Uh, watched. Uh, Marty Scorsese blind spot for me. Alice doesn't live here anymore because that was on seen the um, Criterion Channel. It was great. Uh, it was funny. It was sweet. It was tender. Uh, really good soundtrack, of course. It's a Martin Scorsese movie. Uh, watched uh, per the hype from Luce, um Sanctuary, and I need to have mm. a conversation with Luce about Sanctuary. 
Do you need to scold, Luce? I don't need to scold. And she wrote a very, very <laughs> excellent review on Letterboxd. And I encourage folks to read Luce's review of Sanctuary on Letterboxd. Um, I liked it. I didn't dislike it. But it was very underwhelmed. It felt like a, it had no idea you were gonna what it get, was doing. You are going to get a, a nasty text message. <laughs> yeah. But I'm looking forward to it because every time... I love Luce's point of view, and she always helps me see something that I didn't see before. And so yeah. I think she will help She's got illuminate a good eye. something for me. But it didn't. It felt like a, a, a really cool idea stretched out, you mm. know, way too long, um, and didn't really know what it was doing. Did um, it play the song "She Sells Sanctuary" by the Cult? <laughs> no, I wish it. I wish it had. I love that song. Uh, saw Purple Rain in theaters at Alamo Draft House phenomenal uh and then we're getting down to the wire here Rewatched thelma and louise always a fun Great. time uh re-watched an early paul verhoven called flesh and blood with brucker hauer and um jennifer jason lee huh? not as good as i was hoping um i think paul verhoven hadn't really found out what he wanted to do tonally yet you know his movies are very odd in a lot of different ways and they're very dark and they're kind of funny and they're kind of silly yes. and they usually have a little bit more clarity of direction this felt a little bit too loose and like hmm. um incoherent i still liked it and it's it's pretty it's dark in unexpected ways and it was a huge bomb when it came out and it's weird because not that you know we're very conditioned to have protagonists versus antagonists. This was one of the most like unsure who to root for oh. movies I've seen in some time. And even when it's like a bad guy that you're kind of rooting for, you still kind of like you kind of still align yourself with with someone. Yeah. And this was because um, it was kind of I don't know. It was a little bit difficult to really connect with it. It didn't look particularly great, uh, but it was hmm. an interesting exercise. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then. Lastly, uh, you know, I was in Oklahoma City. We were rushing uh, from Austin up to Oklahoma City. It's about a six-hour drive to actually Ugh. beat a tornado. Uh, Fuck. Which uh, we got we got caught in some bad weather, but nothing too awful. Scary. So when we got to uh, Oklahoma City, we watched Twister, which we did for this podcast a few months ago. So we watched Twister. I love Twister. Yeah. You know how I feel about Twister. I you love, love it. it. I think it's fine. It's kind of boring. Tornadoes are scary, dude. It's like a big monster coming out of the sky. Yeah, it is. It would be very, very scary to 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 see that in real life. So the first Wednesday of every month, they do a tornado siren in the in the summers here. They do. Like, Apparently, they do one every Saturday in Oklahoma City. Every Saturday. That's scary. Yeah. So that's I didn't hear it because I was running and had my headphones in. So I, you know, had you could have gotten whisked away <laughs> in a tornado, <laughs> dude. I know. Oh, Patrick, we got we to gotta move on yeah, to this sorry. damn movie. Oh, yeah. No, we just had a lot to get through. We had a lot of backlog, and uh, we drained the swamp, you know? <laughs> sure did. Fart. This is Fart House. We watch the artsiest, fartiest films so that you can pretend that you did. And this is one I think we are really doing a service for you. Yeah. Because this is an artsy, fartsy movie to the highest caliber. I feel like this cuts right back to our original, not that we've deviated from our original vision of the podcast, but this is like the kind of movie we had in mind when we started kicking around 100%. the idea. 
A hundred percent. We are doing God's work for you. <laughs> uh, the Lord's work. Uh, we will wa- we will discuss Uncle. B- uh, we'll discuss this movie and subject it to our proprietary fartsy test, which determines how impenetrable this movie really is. We're talking about Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives. Directed by Apichapong Wirasithku, uh, and uh, who goes by Joe apparently in is that right? the English speaking world. <laughs> Apichapong Wirasithku, I think I got that yeah, kind of. That sounds right. pretty good. Um, he seems awesome, by the way. I was watching some interviews with him. Seems very cool. Uh, but Patrick, I must ask you: Do you own this movie, and have you seen it? No. No. I thought you might have owned it because this came out in 2010, right in that little cinephile zone, that Bermuda Triangle where Patrick <laughs> was just sucking up any DVD he saw on the shelves. Well, it's loomed, and- it's loomed large in my psyche because, yeah, like as you said, it was kind of the peak of film fandom, and it won the. I mean, you'll you'll get into a little bit more information about it in a second, but it won the Palm d'Or at Cannes at the time. That's correct. In 2010, I think, and so I was very. And it was the intrigued. first Thai film. First Thai film. And yeah, it was interesting because it was like very clearly a very slow film. You get that from the trailer, but there's like supernatural elements. There's like a monkey man with bright red eyes in the forest. What's going on there? There's a woman fucking a catfish. Uh, There's a lot happening. And I wasn't sure what to think. And I remember somebody saw it when I was in film school. Ooh, Or right close after and was like, it's so boring. Don't even bother. It's so stupid. Don't see it. And that has been... Drilled in my head Same. ever since. And it's someone we know, and I won't say their name. Okay, you can tell me later. But that has been drilled in my them. brain, too. I had heard um, how it was so slow, so boring. I had heard from people that couldn't believe that it actually won the Palm d'Or. Not that that means... I mean, a lot of bad movies win, a lot of good movies win. It doesn't really mean anything. But um, I remember being like kind of surprised when because I was so excited to see it when it won the Palm yes. d'Or. And then... Some people whose opinions I respected were like, don't. It's so boring. It's it's. This is a classic a one of those films where if I had seen it at the time, I would have been bored to tears and I would have hated the experience. And then afterwards, I would have said, oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. I actually think it was like, <laughs> oh, I would have, top, I would have 100% five. lied. Top five. Yeah. Instantaneous. <laughs> uh, but I will say, watching it this time, I was like, okay, snooze fest. I had low, low, low expectations. I really liked it. Yes. I did too. I really liked it. Um. I'm going to do a quick synopsis here. Very brief synopsis. So the movie is about Boone Me, a man who is dying of kidney failure. And uh, he is a he owns a farm. And he's kind of living a comfortable life out on his farmhouse and stuff. And he's got servants that take care of him and clean his kidney, as they say in the movie. And then one night he's at dinner and the ghost of his wife returns. And his missing son who's been missing for like 20 years returns but he's been changed into a what are they called ghost, ghost monkey. monkey yeah ghost, ghost monkey. monkey and uh they have a little dinner and just he kind of is uh, ruminates on his life and that's kind of it i don't know <laughs> he recalls his past lives he recalls his past lives but uh it's kind of funny it's a little it's like kind of cute and nice and it actually isn't too complicated. It's just a little slow, I would say. Yeah. And uh, and I, think I found it. It's not enjoyable. totally clear. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say it's too complicated, but it's. I wouldn't say it's like a hundred percent clear when he's 
kind of making a sort of cosmic connection to a previous life. So it can kind of feel like it's coming out of nowhere. And then you kind of realize that, oh, this is him looking back to some other. Yeah. I don't know. It's being revealed to him or he's uncovering a part of himself from a previous life. And there's a lot of like animals. It seems like he lived a past life as an animal. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you got that sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it seemed like he was the catfish. But then I also thought maybe he was the princess. (laughs) I don't know. I thought also he was the, the cow at the beginning. Yes. I think he was the cow at the beginning too, which, uh, this is a niche comment, but the cow reminded me a lot of James Brown, Leah's dog, just kind of this like, <laughs> ma- like he gets into like a corner and couldn't move because he's just so I old and I famously called James Brown a Jurassic yeah. dog, <laughs> yeah. which is the best possible descriptor. <laughs> He'll get into um, a corner and then he can't move because he's just like, his oh, vision is limited. His joints are James. not what they used to be. Uh, so yeah, that, that big water Buffalo reminded me of James. Brown. Oh, water Buffalo. That's what that yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found this movie kind of soothing. It's very, it is slow, but I, I found it hypnotic and my attention was always pretty, lo- you know, locked in on the movie. So when I was watching it, my, and this is, we've had this discussion a lot over the, uh, course of this podcast, especially I feel like over the past, uh, year when there was that, um, we talked about there was a filmmaker, I think it was the Iranian filmmaker Abbas Kurosami, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, who there was a quote about how he like talks about how it's okay to fall asleep during movies and how he likes falling asleep during movies. <laughs> and then we had a, a conversation case about how you had started to watch like like fragments of movies. You kind of break yes. it up into tinier pieces. Did you do that for this or no? No, I didn't. I actually sat down and watched this whole thing. Um so I fell asleep multiple times watching this. Wow. And uh, we're kind of jumping ahead to the fartsy test a little bit. We'll revisit at the end. But that's not a... Um, it was like a... Even though there's there's melancholy and the, some moments of a little bit of dread, it is like a... Yeah, it's it's hypnotic and it's kind of sweet and ethereal and it, it lulls you. And I, would, I wouldn't say it's a demerit that it that it made me fall asleep. I wouldn't say it kept my attention, but it... it I, I feel like there are a lot of scenes... Maybe not a lot is... But it seems like there are scenes where like... People are falling asleep in the movie itself. Because it's very dreamlike. The camera lingers a lot um, on certain, like, landscapes or certain spaces. And so you kind of have a lot of time for your eyes to search around, you know, the framing of a particular scene. Which I think maybe because I went into this knowing it was going to be so slow, I actually did find more compelling than I expected because I knew it was going to be so slow. So I was just like looking in every nook and cranny of the screen for something interesting mm. in the composition to be like, oh, that's yes, that's kind of fascinating there. Yeah, and it really oh, look at it, that. It really did. You could tell that everything, everything was composed with great care. Yes, and with uh, specific design in mind and so that's always really fascinating when you can see what someone is trying to convey to you at kind of an an atomic level you know yeah yeah absolutely you know it's funny i'm kind of on a thailand binge right now because i'm reading the book the beach is that the is it any relation to the danny boyle film that uh it's the the film is based on the book oh it's a thai novel well, it's not, I mean, it's set in Thailand. It oh. wasn't written by a Thai oh, okay. person, but it's How set in Thailand. The, uh, how's the book? I never saw the movie. Love it. Yeah. It's written by Alex Garland. What? Alex Garland wrote the book? Yeah. 
I didn't know that. His debut. Huh. He was like 26 when he wrote it. Holy oh, God. I know. Doesn't that piss you off? Oh, fucking annoying. It makes me Did sick. Did you see the movie? I haven't. I'm looking forward to watching the movie. I remember when that came this. out because I think it was like his, was it his first or second movie post Titanic? It was his big post Titanic movie. And it though. bombed. Yeah, I'm excited to watch but it. But I remember people who, you know, who were huge fans of Leo who were like very excited to see it and then kind of hated it. So I'm, I think probably because it was weirder and nothing like Titanic. So I'd be curious to. Really enjoying the book a lot. Okay. So, anywho, it was fun watching, though, this movie. This movie made me want to go to Thailand because it just seemed very peaceful. And I feel like so often we see, like, city Thailand in movies and TV shows and stuff. And to see, like, the countryside was really peaceful and lovely, I thought. Also, I was thinking a lot about the the movie references a little bit times how Boon Me, um, he's thinking about why he has this kidney failure and if it's some sort of, like, karmic consequence you know is he going through this and he, and he references um killing killing communists, communists and, yes. and killing bugs on his estate and maybe these are like the the cons- like him having kidney disease the consequences of his actions uh and even though that that does play into what this movie is kind of about a little bit or it it references uh you know war and violence a little bit but I feel like, especially in the United States, what we're sort of exposed to, like, uh, in, like, Southeast Asian cinema, a lot of it is, like, war and genocide yeah. and violence and a lot of it perpetrated by the United States or having as yes. a direct result of American intervention. Uh, but a lot, I feel like we're exposed to a lot of, you know, the killing fields uh, about the Cambodian genocide, uh-huh. everything about the Vietnam War. And then, I don't know, did you ever see... Um, the documentaries that came out and probably around probably around the time this came out actually uh the look of silence and the act of killing i saw the act of killing okay yes. yeah and that was about um well that was in indonesia but yes. you know similar sort of southeast that, asian that part of the world is often presented as incredibly violent and yeah it was nice to see something kind of peaceful and i would say happy it's kind of a happy movie yeah, to me yeah ultimately yeah ultimately it is kind of like a hopeful happy movie almost especially because you know death is a um they they all seem like really confident that death is like nothing at all to really like worry about that much yeah or like that i don't know that they they all seem to have certitude that there's life after death in some way or another in some manifestation or another which was interesting i liked when hui i think that's how you say your name uh boonmi's dead wife was like He's like, where are you? Are you in heaven? And she was like, heaven sucks. <laughs> Heaven's boring. Yeah, she called heaven There's nothing overrated. There. Just so great. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, I think it was that scene or maybe a later scene, but there was something that was like really moving to where uh, he's talking, he, she's a ghost and they're kind of talking about the nature of what it is to be a ghost. And she's like, they talk about how ghosts aren't really attached to places. They're attached to people. Yes. And so I don't know if you got this sense, but I feel like there is this almost this worry, like once he passes, are they She'll be gone. Yeah, will they be will they not see each other anymore? Because yeah. he's gone to he'll go off to some other realm and realm. Yeah, and she'll move on to some other realm or, or stay and He kind of asks that. Yeah. I can't and remember. She, what she doesn't says. give a satisfying answer. Yeah. Do you Well, we, we gotta get 
Yo, go ahead. Oh, please. well, I wanted to, I think we've talked about it before on this. We've definitely talked about it on this podcast. Cause this is this kind of philosophical movies are, we talk about them a lot. They come up quite often in the course of the show. And so we've talked about, and the, we kind um, of live in a deep realm. You and I are kind of a deep level and we're always there, yeah. you know, <laughs> we, we are. Go on. but it made me, it made me think about, uh, again, it's the kind of movie. And I wish I could remember the last movie we talked about with this, but it reminded me of the scene with Larry and, um, Cheryl where <laughs> they were doing their, uh, renewing their vows and they yes. say for all eternity and Larry's like really turned off. He's like, and he thought he was going to yes. be like free at the end when she died, when they die. Yes. I thought he couldn't even commit to that. That was so funny. I thought you were for a second. I thought you were going to ask like, yeah, I guess I was just going to ask, uh, what do you think happens when we die? Oh, I would have been well, like, that this was, is, that I don't want to talk about that. What do you, we've no. talked about this. Maybe. I don't know. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to talk about this. Oh, you don't, you don't want to talk about what you think happens when you die? Not really. Mm. I don't think it's interesting. I don't really. I mean, I. I don't. I, not because I don't. I'm embarrassed about it, but I just don't think it's very interesting. I mean, you and I are Christians, so we're going to heaven. Obviously, <laughs> we're good Christian men. That's true. And that's where we're going. Fun. Uh, well, apparently it's overrated. Going- so now I'm not that yeah, interested. Yeah, apparently it sucks, and there's nothing to do there. <laughs> Patrick, we have to talk about the hairy son. Oh my God! How fun was that? Fun is scared one way at first. Quite a way to describe. It freaked me out. So this, it's kind of the lasting image of this movie. It's like you see these dark figures, like black figures, devoid of light in the woods, and you see these bright red eyes. And Boonmi's son has changed into one from mating from one of these with one of these ghost monkeys, and he like appears in their house, and he's like, "Hello." <laughs> I'm Boomy's son, Boon Song. And they're like, come in, sit down. And he's just kind of this like gentle monkey man. I don't know. I thought it was kind of fun. It was terrifying. I was so and they're scared. Like, Look at these pictures. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so that you- was funny when the servant though, or the, the nurse showed up and he's like, what the hell is going on here? There's a ghost and a monkey man in here. Yeah. And no one seemed uh, too, uh, I mean, too a little off. bit alarmed, but. Not really. They were like, oh, yeah, this is my son, Boonsong. He's a ghost monkey now. Uh, and this is my wife. She's dead yeah. and a ghost. <laughs> it was funny, too, because they all, you know, they seemed kind of uh, caught off guard or scared a little bit when she first appeared. But they they all acclimated pretty quickly. Like, this is a... Um, they did. And then only, like, 20 minutes after all of them arrived, it's like, oh, I got to go to bed. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And then we didn't see the monkey son anymore. <laughs> no. Hey, uh, jumping, I mean, I'm all over the place with this, but who was the, at the end, so eventually, um, Boonmi passes away in this cave where he, um, he posits that this was where he was born in one of his lives, one of his initial lives, and, um, then we go to, like, (coughs) excuse me, we go to, like, a hospital and some monk shows up. That was Tong, who was Boonmi's nephew, who had been... Helping out. Yeah, but he looked so different. Didn't he look different? Well, his head was shaved. I I noticed they had the same name, but I don't know. I still like how much time had passed. I don't know. Hmm. The part that confused me, like honestly, the part that confused me the most, where I was like, "You're losing me a little bit," is when he's in the cave, dying, and he's like, "This is where I was born. I was born here." And then it cuts to photographs. Of like teenagers, 
Yeah. What was going on there? I took that to be as his time when he was in the military or when he like when he was killing the commies. It just seems so modern. Yeah, though. it looked like, very the, contemporary. It looked like yeah, 2010. it was so it was confusing. Yeah, if I don't know, that's kind of what I took it to be. And then there's a picture of him with not really a monkey ghost, but would look like more of someone in a straight up ape costume, which yeah. was kind of kind of strange. I feel like that's I didn't where quite I, I was make in that a little connection. bit over my head. I know that uh, I know that a Pichapong Virasithaku was. This was about cinema and how we're losing cinema oh really something to that degree yes when and how cinema's dying knowing that um is there a particular scene or something that that seems to resonate with you that seems to depict that specifically to you well i think the idea of like recalling your past life it's like film is something that documents and you can watch over and over again so there's like something to that in general uh, I don't know. There's a lot of photographs. You know, fo- photography is a big part of this mm-hmm. movie. So I don't know. Yeah, and there's the idea of um inhabiting different bodies or lives is kind of like yeah. you know inhabiting different characters and um you know d- depicting different times of humanity and the did yeah. you what did you think of the um the catfish fucking scene? Where the catfish fucks the woman in the pond. I thought The Shape of Water ripped this movie off. <laughs> uh, I liked the catfish fucking scene. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it, it's kind of out of left field, but uh, I liked the idea that this catfish saw her as she really was. Right. You know, or like, and uh, I thought it was kind of sweet. It's a little romance, <laughs> sweet romance How- between princess and catfish how much of this do you think is uh a beach of, how do you pronounce how do you how, how have you been saying it i think i'm not saying it right but i think it's a beach upon a beach upon how much of this do you think is very calculated to convey things specifically and how much of it is kind of like a rorschach uh like ink i block? think all of it's sort of a rorschach or just kind of more emotion based rather than literal sim- symbolism based, you know? And I ask that in the context specifically of the catfish fucking scene because it's so bizarre and kind of gross, to be honest. And uh, so I'm like, is this, is this the, the um, is this a s- situation where it's designed to be like provocative or weird for the sake of like being weird and gross? Or is there like some symbolism that he had specifically I th- in I mind? Didn't, I didn't think it was gross. I thought it was kind of like beautiful nature and man making love. Just like uh, Boonsong mates with a ghost monkey. Like there is kind of a sexuality with nature and humanity that I like. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's true. And a lot of it is probably my, you know, Western brain that, that is just like there's... It's like man versus nature versus like yes. harmony or, you know, coming together. But also catfish are gross. They're like bottom feeders. They're like the nasty... I like catfish to eat. You do? Have you ever had one? Yeah. Yeah, I've had... I mean, fried catfish is like fine with like a bunch of hot sauce and... Yeah, it's good. Would you eat catfish like... Catfish are gross. Like a, just a grilled catfish. And like yes, one hundred percent. That's gross. Yes, 
That's gross to you? You're very anti-fish. You've always been anti-fish. Every time you come to my house, you're like, you make fish in here? Doesn't it stink up your apartment forever? I would never make fish in my apartment. I would grill fish. Very anti-fish. I would what? grill fish outside. You just never cook fish in your apartment. Because it gets into the walls, and it's like well, cigarettes. They're the cigarettes of the sea. It's like cigarettes. <laughs> cigarettes of the sea? <laughs> That's fish. I do love wow, a really what good what a campaign. Fish. If you were trying to do an anti-fish campaign, that would be pretty good. The cigarettes of the sea. <laughs> and then you could have a person like with a fish in the, like pretending he's like smoking a, a fish in his mouth. Yeah. That would be good. And, you know, they have the mercury. They have the microplastics. They have the mercury. <laughs> They've got them. Yeah. Isn't there something called noodling where you, like, stick your hand in a hole and there's a catfish in there and you can pull them out or something? Is it a sexual Isn't thing? Isn't that a... It's not a sexual thing. No. It's you like put your how hand you in or you catch... put something else? <laughs> no, you put your hand, like, in a hole and that catfish live in noodling. Let me look this up. Hold on. Is this from, like, Huckleberry Finn? Noodling, the act of catching a fish, especially catfish, with one's bare hand. Some states have banned noodling. Why would a state ban noodling? Uh, concern, concern over the sustainability of f- fish. How many people uh, could possibly be grabbing them out of the water that this, this is going to threat to them? I don't know. You're going to send me down a Wikipedia saying, rabbit hole. I'm, I'm in the noodling wiki, wiki <laughs> right now. Uh, I can't believe you're anti-catfish. It's a really good soul food, like Creole food, like when it's like black and catfish. That's so good. I like it when it's deep fried and there's hot sauce on it. Maybe a remoulade. That's rebel, like remoulade, anything. Remoulade. That's like a, you, everything you eat. You're like, I'd like it if it was deep fried <laughs> with hot sauce on it. <laughs> no. That's a Patrick Mallon way. I, that's a, I, like, that's, I like raw sushi. I like raw fish. Mm. This is making me hungry. You know what I had for dinner tonight? What? This is a complete tangent. Now I'm in Minnesota. My mom brought over tater tot casserole. Oh. So we had tater tot casserole. Oh my God, that sounds so good. What's in tater tot casserole? I'll tell you right now. Ground beef, <laughs> corn, onions, cream of mushroom soup, topped with a layer of American cheese, and then topped with a layer of tater tots. Oh my God. This sounds and fantastic. It's good. It's good. If I texted Sandra, would she? Does she use a recipe, or is it from from the inner workings of her brain? No, she uses a recipe. Okay, I'm gonna text Sandra and get this recipe. Although it's we too were just hot laughing to make it about. Now, but. Do you know what lefsa is? This is another very Minnesota thing. Mm-mm, no. Have you ever heard of lefsa? It's a Scandinavian dessert. It's kind of like a thin tortilla, and you put butter, sugar, and cinnamon in it. It's very tasty. It's very like flaky and yummy. Do you roll it up? Yeah, it's kind of like you rolled up, yeah. Okay. And uh, there was a mom that was like friends with, uh, one of our friend's moms made lefsa, and somebody asked her for the recipe, and she was like, well, I can't, I can't tell you that. It's a family <laughs> recipe. We have, well, it's a secret I'll, family I'll recipe. respect, if Sandra doesn't want to, doesn't want to. Isn't that crazy, though, that someone was like, secret family recipe, yeah, I can't Yeah, I mean, I can't personally imagine that thought process, but I'll respect it if. If that's how Sandra that wants would, to I'm play just it. saying that would never happen okay, with good. my I'm mom. trying to be very diplomatic right now because I don't want it to backfire. You don't want to step on any toes here. Toes. Oh, Patrick, anything else about this film that you want to get into? Uh, the last, the, What I was thinking upon about after watching it uh, was that I'm glad that movies like this exist because I feel like 
I don't know. For me, sometimes I get... It, it feels goofy sometimes to have a sort of philosophical conversation with someone, like, out of nowhere. It feels kind of, like, phony. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, to just kind of, like, just be out to be out for drinks with someone and start talking about philosophical stuff. Like you ever think about, I hate people like that actually me too. But, uh, I like that this movie gives us a sort of vehicle for kind of having those discussions, you know, like this, this movie is kind of an opportunity to kind of, I I wouldn't want to dwell on these things and talk about them in perpetuity, but it kind of brings up these things and you go see the movie and, Afterwards, you're kind of reflecting on these things. And then if you go see it with someone or like you and me, watch it in parallel, then we can kind of have these conversations that might not otherwise want to have. I do. I will say it made me not think about where do you go when you die? But like the end of your life, what that will be like. And I feel like you can kind of make a choice. Is it going to be peaceful and kind or are you going to be angry and pissy? And I feel like Boon Me chose grateful happy and not excited to die but like in some ways was welcoming to it yes you know and i liked that and i'm like i want to die that way and him and his wife had a really good conversation with i mean this is kind of overused probably in particular for worth worth aw's films uh they're very poetic he the way he um he's asking his wife about what it's like kind of like before you die and he gives the analogy of about before going up to give a presentation in front of his peers in school. And it's kind of this feeling of excitement and anxiety, you know, that weird mix, like, yeah, you know, or you're about to have a race or something like that. And I thought that was articulated really well. And they kind of like, yes, dug into that in like a simple and succinct way, but you know, exactly what they were, you knew exactly the kind of emotion that they were talking about. And that's really powerful. Yeah. hundred percent. That is great. All right, let's move on to the fart cheek test. Okay, this is the test used to determine the fartsiness of a movie, which is our scale that gauges how impenetrable, unapproachable, and generally artsy-fartsy a movie is. We continually add and subtract from this list. It's a living document, much like the Constitution, but far more important. Uh, Patrick, were there disorienting editing choices? I would say yes. I would say yes. Because it would cut to things where I say, where am I? What are we looking at here? Mm-hmm. I was disoriented. Yeah, timeline was shifting. Uh, or, like, stylistically would kind of change up a little bit. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, there's something where he shot... There are six reels in this movie, and he shot each of the six reels in a different fashion. Oh, interesting. I could kind of uh, tell, but I... Like, stylistically, it was coherent, but there it was obviously an evolution throughout the movie. Yeah. Oh, one thing, too, I wanted to talk about was the music. Um, the music was really interesting because I think it worked really well, but did, did you feel a sort of sense of dread or suspense with the music at all? I didn't notice any music. Oh, really? I noticed the music quite acutely, and it kind of oh. made me... And I think Sick. I think this is like what's great about the movie is it can kind of like bring something out in someone, you uh-huh. know, de- depending on who they are. And uh, the music kind of made me sort of uneasy, even though there was depicting things that were. Um, and I think that goes towards 
what the movie is trying to do is talk about the sort of, you know, how death is, there's something that's appealing about it and something that's really scary about it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Inappropriately long gazing. Yep. Yes. Long gazing. Long scenes where you're like, I think we could have said cut a little bit while ago (laughs) up at Japan. But that's just me. Uh, but that was kind of part of it. You got into the zone of it. There's a there's a, sh- a scene at the end where people are watching TV and suddenly they stop talking and they're just staring at the TV <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh, what's going on now? Yeah. And that was kind of an interesting shift. I yeah, think. and it was interesting too because, I mean, we had learned the language of the film by you know from the beginning of it. But for a second, you're like, is is it important what they're saying on TV? Like, are we supposed to be paying attention? Yeah, like, am I supposed to be listening to this? Yeah, is there like important like plot information that's being delivered via the t- TV? But no, it's <laughs> hard to say that there was yeah. truly. Uh, is there suicide? No, N- no, no, no. If a ghost. Assist suicides you. Does that count? Kind of. Kind of, but it's it's it was it seemed like a pretty clear cut terminal illness. Yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. Situation. Although his nurse Jai was like, "You're gonna be fine." He did keep saying that. Yeah, so. but maybe that was a sort of like you know just saying it to calm him down, be nice. Yeah. Does someone masturbate? Is there a penis in this movie? No. There's no. a catfish has a penis. But not an mm. actual penis. A woman having sex with a fish, does that count as masturbation? She wasn't controlling it as far as we know. It seemed like an, an kind autonomous of a, fish. Yeah, native vibrator <laughs> kind of situation. An autonomous fish. He was acting autonomously. And that fish could speak. Yeah. <laughs> What's it called? A, a sentient fish. It was a sentient. A sentient fish, yes. <laughs> Are there topics, images, or behaviors that go beyond what would be considered acceptable in a mainstream film? I would the say The aforementioned so. fish fucking. <laughs> the fish fucking. <laughs> and the ghost now, monkeys. Now, that became very... Very in vogue years later, but at this time, it was quite outrageous to have a woman fucking a fish, you know. <laughs> it's Can something Peanut that I feel like w- has been in cinema for a long time. You know, all the way back to the uh, Black Lagoon, or whatever it's called, that, that monster oh, movie. Yes. I don't know if yes, they, I've never seen it, so I don't know if they fuck, but I feel like there's, I feel like in a lot of those old monster movies, there's always kind of a little bit of sexual tension between, between the a female character and the, f- and the monster. Yeah, it's true. Can Peanut start watching this movie after 8 p.m. without falling asleep? Well, we already touched upon this. And I started watching it in the morning. Multiple. It's very sleepy. Yeah, it's I calming. watched it. I well, watched half in the morning and fell asleep, and then half of my lunch break and fell asleep. There's another movie he came out with recently, Memoria with Tilda Swinton. And apparently, that's a very sleepy movie too. Yeah, I think that's his whole mo. It's just sleepy time movies. Which, um, after having seen this, I'm looking forward to watching more and just entering Dream World with them and not worrying about good. how it's gonna hold my attention or how I'm going to stay awake or how I'm going to stay engaged. Just turn it on and give myself over I, to it. That's what I, I want to I do. will say there are so many art house movies that are like, well, if it's just slowly paced, then it's good and interesting. And I feel like they use it as a weird crux, crutch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I felt like this one used it intentionally in a good way. Yes, I agree. Like it's not, um, yeah, there's certain, there's certain films well, now I'm just talking out of my ass because I haven't seen them. But yeah, I'm not even going to say it. Never mind. I felt like Sofia Coppola is somewhere. I was like, you're intentionally being slow to make this feel like artistic because she was trying to change the vibe of her movies. Yeah. Or and Gus Van Sant's like Jerry that, with Matt Damon and Casey Apple. I did not catch that yeah. one. 
missed that one. Uh, is there an inordinate amount of milling about so much show this could be retitled We're the Millers? Yes, I'd say a lot of milling yeah. about, actually. And going back to the um, the previous question of the... Uh, I already forgot what the question was. With the slow... You're falling asleep. The falling asleep. The, you know, even... The, there, not a lot technically happens, but there is a lot of, like, rich imagery and there's you know there's kind of like it's shifting it's like shifting energy you know a fair amount of the time you know yeah. in in this film and so it it's not totally static it doesn't feel quite as meandering or aimless it feels like stuff is coming through that's kind of like seeping into you just in a very very slow way versus versus like other films that are just like i don't know slow for its own sake yeah, I hear you. Uh, poster titillation level high, high, very, very high. high. It's a great poster. I, do you know who made this poster? No, but I have a feeling I'm going to recognize the name when you tell me. His name is Chris Ware, and he's a great graphic novelist. Oh. Um, I've read a bunch of his graphic novels. Um, Jimmy, oh, I'm wait, I got to look these up because I they're good. Uh, Chris Ware, uh, oh, oh, okay, um. He did one called Rusty Brown, which I really like, and then he also did one I called Jimmy Gor- Corrigan, the smartest kid on earth. Mm. Those are two very good. His movies, his his books are very dense and very dark. Interesting. Um, but he is the one who drew the poster for this movie. Cool. And he's really good. Yeah, so. it's a. I highly encourage folks to check it out if they haven't seen the poster before. It. It made me very interested in seeing the movie until I heard from everyone just how slow and boring it was. And I was like, oh, bummer that it's such a cool poster and boring movie. But look at the film had the last We've laugh because now we enjoy it. Yeah, now we're adults and we enjoy it and we fall asleep during it. But that's not the movie's <laughs> fault. That is the intention. Patrick, what is your score for this movie? 9.4. I was going to say 9.5. This is about as high as you can go. If this movie were 30 minutes longer i might do 10 i would do i'm 10 not even too. joking yeah the fact that it's under two hours goes a long way towards keeping it at the if this was two hours and 35 minutes it would be 10 yeah i agree but it's good it is good. it's enjoyable yeah and it's it's beautiful and it's moving and it's like it's kind of funny i was kind of like smiling a lot yeah in it too there's like a sense of humor well especially because like a lot of it is just like the way that they react to things um is just so di- like i feel like a lo- there are a lot of like cultural differences you know like there was one thing um towards the beginning when when uh his wife shows up and her sister is there um and she asks if she got the things that she left for at the temple she's like yeah i got those thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah got it's like that's great i love that it's like it's like it's charming and funny, but also it's very much a part of like, it's, it's foreign to us. I feel like in Western culture, there was some like kind of scary stuff. Like when the ghost appears, she just sort of like slowly appears yeah. and they're all like talking for a little while. And then someone's like, Whoa. Yeah. And then when you <laughs> see, was... yeah. And then remember when you first see Boon Song's red eyes, like at the bottom yeah. of the stairs, that's scary. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I would not want to wake up like if Dolly had red eyes no. and was at the foot of our bed. Absolutely. That not. would be scary. It kind of reminded he kind of looked like the uh the homeless guy from Mulholland Drive. <laughs> God. 
out behind Winky's Talk diner. About that that jump scare got me more than maybe any other jump scare because I was so not expecting. Same. It. I was expecting it so much I when think I saw. I it hit most. my head. <laughs> I have a memory of hitting my head on something. I was so mentally prepared for it during this most recent viewing in theaters. That it, it completely, there, it, it was so toothless. I was thinking about it for like six minutes before it even happened. And so as they're like going around the diner to like see it, I'm like, all right, all right, here it comes. And then he comes. I was like, oh, that was silly. That's not scary. <laughs> the first, but I was, Not scary, Only because I had guys. spent like an hour before prepping for that specific moment. <laughs> you're, you've like dug your fingernails into your legs <laughs> yeah. and are bleeding. And you're like, that wasn't scary though, actually, in retrospect. <laughs> yeah. My God, did that scare me. <laughs> me too. Now, I was thinking about this. We don't have to get into this. This is a whole other discussion. Because there was a stupid TikToker who was making me mad. Where <laughs> so he was like, someone asked him, like, what's your favorite movie? And he said, Avengers Endgame mm. or The Greatest Showman. This is the and most And he has like a film I've TikTok. ever heard. And people went crazy, rightfully so. And then he was like, guys... I said my favorite. I didn't say the best films. And I was like, that who answers the question, who do what do you think is the best? Like when you when you're asked the question, what do you think the best film of all time is? You how do you answer that differently than your favorite movie? You know what I mean? I do. I kind of I don't know at this point in my you know, it's actually interesting you're bringing this. I feel like at one point in my life I may have had different answers and i may may still kind of have different answers but i don't know like do you is your like what's your favorite movie of all time just or like one of them uh so i started doing what you did with my top four and i moving in stuff that's just like been in my brain of like stuff i really honestly i think showgirls is one of my favorite movies okay but you would not say Showgirls is the best movie of all time. No. You know what I mean? Like, objectively. Right. And I would say Blue Velvet is my favorite movie. Uh, but I would not say that's the best movie of all time. So then I was sort of thinking, like, well, what would I say is the best movie of all time? And I had... First I thought about... I was like, well, what does it mean... This is such a big question to be bringing up at the end of a podcast, but I'm we're here. Yeah, we're here. Uh, I was like... What what does it mean to like tap into the full powers of cinema okay. as an art form? Yeah. You know, as opposed to a novel or music. Mm-hmm. What can that do beyond those that makes it a movie? And I think I landed on two movies. Okay. 2001 Space Odyssey. Now, that's not even my favorite Stanley Cooper movie, but I'm just saying like that could be considered the best movie of all time because it taps into everything. Yes. You know? And then I also thought of Mulholland Drive. Oh. I know that might be wacky. I just feel like it is such a massive cinematic experience that uses all of the tools of cinema to their its greatest degree. Yeah. So, anyways, that's, I, I was just—I wouldn't dispute that at all. I think for some reason these are the two that come to mind. Um. And I can't, and this is without having thought about it a lot, but these are the two that kind of, one is, it's also incidentally like one of my, probably the one that I cite the most is my favorite, which is Goodfellas. But I think it's also probably, you can make an argument it's the best movie ever made, I think. Okay. Uh, and then Some Like It Hot. Uh, oh, interesting. Was the other one that, that came to mind very quickly because... 
Some Like It Hot is a movie that feels ahead of its time in a lot of different ways. And not just in terms of kind of like its politics, but like stylistically too. And formally, Some Mm. Like It Hot is a very unique movie. And I think you could only, I think Some Like It Hot can only exist as a motion picture. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to think about it like only existing as a movie. And like Goodfellas can only exist as a movie, you know, like where like other movies you're like, oh, I could kind of actually see that as a play. Yeah. Even though I think it's like a really great movie and it's at its best a movie, like a movie like Metropolitan, which is like honestly in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. But if you were like, oh, I saw a play version of that, you'd be like, oh, I could see that happening. Yeah. You know what I uh-huh. mean? So I don't know, just sort of an interesting thought of like, what do you think is the best movie of all time? Mm-hmm. I, I, and now that I do think there are elements of some like it hot that make it so that it could only exist at a motion picture, but I think it definitely could exist as, as a play. So I think, I think 2001 is probably the best answer, actually. I just felt like, well, then I was kind of like, well, you know what? Once I was like, it utilizes cinematography and uh, imagination and music in such imaginative, interesting ways. But I was like, there isn't really good acting in that movie. And so that's when I went to Mulholland Drive mm. because I was like, it's kind of like a 2001 type movie, but it is utilizing the tool of acting so well yeah. in that movie. So I don't know. And that's where you, I um, you know, the one that's most commonly cited as the best is Citizen Kane. When's the last time you watched Citizen Kane? Not that long ago. Oh, I really? say the last ten years. Oh, wow. I like that movie a lot, actually. Yes. I think Citizen Kane is good. It's very good. And obviously, I don't really contend. I don't really have a problem with that being called the best movie of all time. I mean, I, I feel like it, like and so, like uh, Sight and Sound. I think <laughs> recently said Jean Dielman is the best movie of all time. And I'm like, sure. Like it, if, if it passes a certain threshold of like greatness, like there's really no, you can't really argue like, Oh, actually vertigo is better than citizen yeah. Kane. It's like, well, they're both like good. Yeah. Like they've both passed the like ultimate tier movie, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I like, I like where you're coming from with that case. I just, it's also like kind of funny because it's like when you say like, what do you think is the best movie of all time? That's actually not that interesting of a conversation. (laughs) Like it like ends actually kind of quickly because I'm more interested in like what someone's favorite movie is. Like that's more of an interesting answer and more nuanced where like what the best movie of all time is like more of like, you just have to look at technical things sort of. True, but this conversation has made me think about how I value or like what, what is valuable to a motion picture. So I, I agree with you, but I could also see it going the other way. Cause it's, I could see someone yeah. trying to make the argument why something is the best. Whereas favorite, you can kind of just say, well, it's it's favorite. Cause it is my favorite. And like the greatest showman is both my favorite. And I think the best movie of all time. So it's kind of like wrapped up. <laughs> One. Wow, that, that's uh, tragic. All right, Patrick, we got to get out of here. Yeah, it's before been a while. We open another can of worms. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. Um, if you want to follow Patrick on Twitter, he's Patrick R. Mallon. On Letterboxd, he's at Pierre Mallon. I'm Casey Lee O'Brien on all services. Leave us a five star review. Get our name out there. 
Uh, Patrick, I think that's it, my friend. Yeah. We cooked the goose. We cooked. Let them cook. That's what everyone says when they put on the podcast about us. Let them cook. (laughs) Hold up. Let them cook. And they do. They let us cook. (laughs) All right. Except that one guy would prefer we not cook. He would prefer that we prematurely take our meal out of the oven and serve it. Who wants that? That guy that messaged us on Instagram. He, he would say, please stop cooking. Yeah, it's stop done. Cook. Stop cooking. Take it out of the oven. Recommend another dish for me, please. <laughs> Can you what recommend if we wrote a different back, meal? <laughs> he, someone wrote us and asked us to recommend better uh, podcasts uh, than ours. And what if we had written them back? I mean, I do have some recommendations, but I'm not going to send them <laughs> no, to him. I didn't respond. It was mean. Uh, all right. That's it. We're the Cinephile Cuties signing off. Bye. Bye. Patas, patas, patas.